0: God thank you for uh, your word thank you for these people and I pray God that um, you would bless Olivia and her ministry in Southern California and the students there we pray for Tristan as he continues to reach out to students on campus and we pray for Andrew's family to come to know you as Andrew did in Jesus name Amen Um, I'm a little sick as you can probably hear And I I actually can't hear out of my right ear, so if I talk louder than usual, that's why. And um, I apologize ahead of time if I'm a distraction. Anyway, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be going through verses 19 through 24. And this is uh, a section of Philippians that is um, talking about Timothy. So... It's interesting that Paul mentions uh, models of of servanthood, of of servant lifestyles with these two examples, Timothy and then Epaphroditus, who we will talk about next week. And he provides these two models for imitation in which he includes a letter of recommendation towards them. So we'll look at Timothy today and then we'll look at Epaphroditus tomorrow. And a little bit uh, of background about messengers like Timothy. Uh, Messengers were sent as personal representatives and to be received with the same honor um, accorded as the sender of the messenger. And messages were, were difficult to send back then. Um, there were no convenient technologies, right? There's no G chat or uh, text messaging or anything like that. So messages were difficult to send. And um, you just used an old fashioned messenger delivery, right? Where, where a messenger literally carries a message, and, and sometimes it was dangerous depending on the travel conditions at, at various times of the year. And sometimes they would have to worry about uh, a bandits or whatever that may be. Um, but so, so it was actually a very slow process. Um, I think a, a fair way to adjust uh, travel time is when we were on a, a Pauline tour, when we were in Turkey and Greece, every hour that we traveled by bus would, would be over a day. So if you can just imagine that if you were just traveling by bus in an hour, that's an entire day of travel for someone. And something to keep in mind as we read this letter is that Greek philosophers and and Old Testament prophets, they, they often complained about the scarcity of those who were fully devoted to their respective causes. And so a common ancient form of writing included a recommendation but, uh, but he places Timothy, his, his special messenger, in a place of his own, and he offers the highest commendation. Let's start in verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. See, this is not about Paul wanting something. This is uh, about Paul trusting Jesus to send Timothy. And you notice the word send. See, Timothy is under orders here. He's submitting to Paul and we can't be used if we're not humble enough to take orders from others. We have to be able to follow. Right. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Paul is saying that all all of our plans, they need to be yielded to God. We don't even know if there's a tomorrow for us. And James writes in James chapter four verses uh, verse 14. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Let's think about this really basic fact that we often overlook. It's really important to understand that when we make plans, it's really up to God's will on whether those plans get fulfilled. And we shouldn't lift uh, we shouldn't just plan our plans without the, the input that God has for us, but we should lift our plans in prayer. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it tells us to pray without ceasing. And we need to be in prayer asking God for his direction. And this is crucial. It's critical to your life as a follower of Jesus. To seek his guidance, because even though we don't know what's in store, in store for us in the future, he knows and it's interesting that Paul, Paul writes, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. He's not trusting in himself or his orders to do it. Paul is submitting his plans to God. And last Tuesday night, I called my dad before he went in for a surgery uh, to put a, a stint in one of his arteries. And um, I asked my dad if he was nervous. And some of you met my dad a couple of weeks ago and he dedicated my, my daughter Sienna um, to the Lord. My dad replied and he answered He said what's there to be nervous about whatever the Lord's will is and that's what he told me and I was actually sad before he said that to me because I always play the worst scenarios in my head I don't know if you guys do that too or someone tells you something you automatically go to like the worst thing like oh my dad's heart's just gonna burst out open he's gonna die right there on the operating table or you know whatever you just always think of the worst thing so I thought about him dying and not that I'm worried that I'll never see him again, because um, I know I will. He knows the same Jesus that I do. And, but I was still sad because my kids wouldn't get a chance to get to know their, their Yeye, their, their grandfather. And, and when he told me that whatever the Lord's will is, he reminded me that we need to submit everything to God. Because, you know, life is so fragile, it's a vapor. And my dad was pointing me to God once again and reminding me that our life is not our own as as disciples of Jesus. We are are his and we need to submit to what God's will is. So so we pray for my mom and and my sister to to feel at peace about this procedure, for his procedure, and and ultimately for the Lord's will to be done. And I started reminiscing about my dad. And I know that he's not a perfect man, um, but but all I could think of were the good things uh, he did for me. He introduced me to Jesus and when I asked him about major decisions in my life, like getting married or becoming a pastor, or going into the ministry, um, he didn't ask me a lot of questions. He just asked me a couple of them. He only asked me if I prayed and I sought the Lord's will and whether I was called into ministry. That was it. He didn't give me 20 questions. He didn't grill me about all this stuff. See, we don't know what's in store for us tomorrow. We can't say we're going to do such and such tomorrow. And we don't have any guarantees in life except for physical death. Right. And even at that, maybe one or two made it without dying physically. And I had a I had a really heavy heart on Tuesday and and on Wednesday, because that's when we talked. And then Wednesday was his procedure until he gave me a call after his procedure. And he told me that when the doctors ran some tests. Prior to his surgery, they felt that it was better not to do the surgery at, at this time and, and that his artery wasn't as bad as they initially thought it was. So Paul writes, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. See, so I, I now understand a little bit more what Paul, that Paul's yielding to God's will. Whatever God wants to do in my dad's life or my life, he's going to do. And we need to have an understanding of Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 and Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Psalms chapter 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We need to bring our plans to the Lord and be open to whatever God wants to do in our life. And He knows what is best for us, even if we don't understand what's going on in our life. And verse 19 continues, That I also may be encouraged... When I know your state. Paul is so uplifted to know that the church in Philippi is doing well. And as a pastor, it's extremely encouraging to know that the church is doing well. And and we see that Paul is sending Timothy, who has been doing well himself, and Paul is encouraged by his disciple Timothy. And something to keep in mind as we look at this passage are characteristics that we see in Timothy. Timothy has several characteristics that we should ask ourselves if, if we possess because they are characteristics that are indicative of servants. And the first one I see is in verse 19. I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. It's clear that Timothy is someone who understands submission and humility. He realizes that he is but a vapor. And this is something that Christians may be guilty of and that we think that we have something to offer God. But we need to realize that there isn't much we can offer him if we aren't humble about it. What we offer to God in our humility is pleasing to him and what we offer in our pride is not. So look at Moses in Exodus chapter 2 verses 11 through 12. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses was a full-fledged ninja. I mean, he killed him quick. And it seems like he did it with his hands. So Moses was, was brought up as Pharaoh's grandson, right? Right? He learned everything that Pharaoh's grandson would need to learn, including military things like how to fight. So he he learned the best stuff. And this was the, the greatest military power of the time. So when he saw this Egyptian foreman beating on a Jewish slave, he reacted and he killed the Egyptian thinking that no one saw him. And then in Exodus chapter two, verses 13 through 14 and when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Then Moses takes off into the wilderness for the next 40 years. And here we have a grown man at the, at the peak of his position in the most powerful country in the world who has tr- turned into a runaway convict. And 40 years later, he's a much older man herding sheep. And talk about falling from high places. And, and you would think that his prime passed him. But that's until he sees this burning bush. And that's when he calls when he's called into service by God. And then he is used him in really awesome ways for the next 40 years of his life. Yet he's still not allowed into the promised land because of his misrepresentation of God. Sometimes we Christians think that we're all we're all that, right? When when none of us even comes close to what Moses had in terms of credentials. But look how God allowed him to be broken before he could be used. He, He came from Pharaoh's grandson to a sheep herder. And we can't be used in our pride, but we can be in our humility. And Moses couldn't be used in his pride as as, as Pharaoh's grandson for 40 years, but he was able to be used 40 years later as a caretaker of sheep. And God is with the humble, not the prideful. We, We need to understand this if we want to be a church used by God, if we want to be individuals wanting to be used by God. Humility is the key to being used by the Lord. Do you know what happens when you attempt to serve in pride? When you serve with an arrogant heart, thinking that you know more than everyone else, and, and are self-serving rather than focused on others? Let's look at Third John, chapter one, verses nine through eleven. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Notice in verse 9, Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them. He was opposed to what God was about and the ministry of John. And we need to be careful that we don't be consumed with, with our self-importance. God doesn't need you or me. We're not as important as we think we are. And God is going to do just fine without you and me. One of the biggest lessons I learned from this whole ordeal of losing our former pastor, because not only did we lose our, our, our former senior pastor, but we also lost a, a big bulk of our leadership. And I don't know if you guys realize this. Um, I remember praying right after our, our our pastor's resignation to God, and I was just praying to God that He would take away whatever needed to be taken away and add whatever He needed to add to make the church healthier. And two days later, just two days, it just started losing people. It was crazy, and I was like, God, what are you doing? I did I didn't mean him, but I didn't mean her. I meant like other folks that are problems, like so. <clears throat> and, and some of these people left for for good reasons, for legitimate reasons. But as God was answering that prayer and, and I wondered what was happening, he was teaching me and he was telling to me, it's my church. See, it's his church. This is his church and, and that I was depending more on people than I was depending on him. Here I was trying to, to talk to people and to find out oh, what do we do now as a church or what do we do and, and trying to gather people and, 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 and rally us to, to come through this thing. But I should be seeking Him. I should be asking Him. So after leader after leader was leaving, I, I had this peace that, that it's the Lord's church. Like I had a choice. Right? They were leaving anyway. And, and ten months later, you see, we're here. And we're still actually thriving. Things are growing. Things are going really well. And um, so all that to say is we're not necessary. The only person necessary is Jesus. Jesus is necessary. Back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. According to uh, that verse, Timothy also understands what orders are and, and how to follow them. See, Timothy is sent. Right? He didn't say, I'm going. Timothy is sent. I think this is where some people fail as servants. See, how can you serve if you don't know how to submit and if you aren't humble and you don't know how to follow? Isn't that contrary to what a servant is? Right. You should be called an entrepreneur or something, but not a servant. You see, you can't be a good leader if you aren't a good follower. You can't be a good teacher if you aren't a good student. And can we agree that we don't know everything? Can we just all agree we don't know everything? And and one of the mistakes we make is that we don't follow orders. And good leadership starts by being good at following and being able to take instruction. So you can't expect someone to be able to perform difficult tasks if they can't perform simple tasks. So I can't expect my children to take on more responsibility without showing, them, showing themselves capable of taking on that responsibility. So I have to work with them at their maturity level and give them enough responsibility to challenge them, but not so much that it definitely leads to failure. So I give them things they'll succeed at, right? For example, Katie and I start reading to our kids at a really, really young age. So we start by just re- reading through picture books, and we start out with just simple things like colors or animals or something like that. And we don't go directly into the literary classics, right, until four years old. So, so we just start out simply. And, and as they mature as learners, we can read books that are, are longer and more detailed. And as they continue to learn, we can give them more responsibilities, like going to the library on their own to pick out their own books. But let's say that they go somewhere else instead. Let's say they, they, they decide to go to the park with their friends. And instead of going for books, that we said that that's what you're going to do. And, and they've proven that they're not mature enough to follow those instructions. So we need to cut back on those responsibilities. And we need to teach them and we need to help them learn that, that this is what we want out of you. And and, but if we if they are able to follow those instructions, then we would further increase their responsibility. They would be able to stay at the library longer. And and later on, it moves on to greater responsibilities like like going out with friends and increasing curfew times and driving. So the more they prove they can handle greater responsibilities, the more they will be given. I'm going to keep this CD. So when they get older, I'm going to play this part. See, ministry is the same way. Right? People are assigned things to do. And as responsibilities are, are faithfully accomplished, more is made available to faithful servants. See, Timothy submitted himself to Paul's instruction. And, and a mark of maturity in a servant is that they are willing to submit to authority. And we need to be team players and not just a bunch of individuals looking out for our own interests. And at this church, you know, I, I submit myself to the authority of our elder board. And there's four of them. And the elder board submits themselves one to another. So each one of them has four other people they're they're accountable to. And so we need to understand authority. There isn't somebody that's just high and mighty and doesn't report to anyone. At least not in this church. Maybe others, but not at this one. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worry, worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. Go. And he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The centurion was responsible for over 100 soldiers. So we're talking about a man with authority. Authority. A man that knows what authority is about and understands being under authority. He wouldn't become a centurion if he wasn't a person that understood authority. He recognizes that Jesus is a man under authority like he is. He's under the authority of the Father. And he can see that in Jesus. And he knows that Jesus' power was under the authority of the Father. And that Jesus could call upon the father and use that just as he could call upon the, the Roman armies and have them have their back. And as someone in the military, this centurion knows all about submission and authority. You see, he's responsible for his soldiers and he's responsible to his authority for his soldiers. And there, there are some in the body who have, have served in the military. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you know about authority. And you know that once you're in the military, they own you. And they do. Kind of like when the interns join the church. We own you. Right? So, do you guys know what GI stands for? I never knew growing up, but like GI Joe was like my favorite thing, but I never even know what GI meant. GI means government issue. Right? And if you come against authority in the military, you go to jail. There's no debate. I don't feel like going to bed. It's a little early. can't debate that. See, orders are followed. And that's not just the military. It's anything in life, isn't it? In school, you need to follow your teacher's instructions. In sports, you need to follow your coach's instructions. At your job, you, need, you report to someone in your company and you follow those instructions. We all have to submit our will to proper authority in our life. And if you don't, maybe that's why you're at where you're at in life. What happens if you don't follow follow your teacher's instruction? You fail. What happens if you don't follow your coach's instructions? You lose. What happens if you don't follow authority where you're at work? You're fired. See, we need to learn how to follow authority. And we need to know how to take instruction. We need to understand that if, if we're going to be used by God, we need to know how to submit to authority and take instructions. And oftentimes people have have this set idea as to what they want to do in ministry and how they want to serve here at the church. And sometimes what people want to do fits into the direction of the church and, and the direction that the church is going, and sometimes it doesn't. And what's interesting is that if people only want to serve in a particular area and don't get that opportunity to serve in that area, they just end up not serving at all. Well, if you can't do the small things, why would you get another thing? Why is that? Why do people think that? Isn't it about serving God and serving each other? Not about like, oh, but my gifting is this. Big deal about your gifting. God doesn't need you. We already said that, right? We already established that. You're not needed. So why is it that some things seem to be below you in terms of service? I can't do that. I'm I'm called to this thing. I can't clean toilets. That's below me. Really. See, we have to be willing to do the lowest job. To be a shepherd. Even if you feel that you're Pharaoh's grandson. You have to be broken in order to be used. And take care of sheep. Sheep poop. Sheep's fur get tangled and stuff. And they need caring for And they have dirty jobs that, that shepherds need to do for them. And, and we need to serve. We need to serve people. And if we think that there are things we can't do because it's below us, we really need to check our heart. Another characteristic is, is in verse 20. For I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state. See, Timothy was like minded with Paul in caring for the people and being concerned for them. And notice that Paul writes, I have no one like minded. See, Paul is sending his best. Paul is sending his best representative. And Timothy understood his teacher, Paul, and, and learned about what was important in, in ministry. Paul could trust that Timothy was going to carry something through. I trust our staff. A couple weeks ago, um, they were at some ski retreat. And um, they, they had this bright idea that they were going to come back Sunday morning from Tahoe. And um, I was like, really? Okay. But I trusted them. I knew that they would do it. Especially if Dave Kim was driving, I knew that they would be back here. So once, once, I, once I knew that, oh, Dave's drive, oh, they'll be back. And they were here. So I trust them. I, I, can, I can count on them. I know that they'll carry through what they said that they're going to do in terms of ministry, in terms of the work that they do here. It's, I, I, I don't have to worry about it. I can send the best representatives that we have into this community. Verse 21 and 22. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know His proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. See, Paul points out character in Timothy. Not gifting, not skills, not knowledge or anything else. He points out character. Character is tested through experience and time. It's not something that's proven overnight. See, there needs to be an evidence of how someone deals with the trials in their life. The, the different tests that come through their life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 22. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And said, and he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup? that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So Jesus is asking these guys, are you guys able to pay the price that I'm paying? They said to him, we are able. See, people want character and sometimes forget that it comes with a price. And that price often includes trials in your life. And your character is proven through how you Work through those trials, how you live through those trials. And and through brokenness, you become more Christ-like. And you become more like the wounded healer that's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 63 or 53. Jesus understands the the pain and the hurt in your life because he went through it. And and we aren't as effective in ministry and serving others if we don't have experiences through trials. It's easy to be a spectator and say... I can do better, better than that. I can, I can say things better than he says. Or, or tell yourself, I wouldn't do things that way. If I were in his position, I wouldn't do that. I do it all the time when I watch sports. Oh, I could have made that shot. I could have made that shot over that seven-footer only. If I'm 5'8", I could have still made it. right? Or, why would you swing at that? You're so blind. That was totally outside the strike zone. I could hit a 110-mile-per-hour fastball. Yeah, right. You can't even catch that ball. You're You're making millions. You can't even catch it. See, we learn through trial. And we learn through our experiences in service. We aren't learning if we aren't serving. You're just a spectator. You're just watching TV. You're just pretending that you can do something that you've never even really done. You're a spectator, and it's easy to make comments when you just watch. You need to get in the game. Perform under pressure. Perform under stress. Perform under duress. And win through that stuff. And maybe we, we need to do a little less of giving our opinions on how things should be done and, and just do them. Then maybe what others are doing in servant service won't appear as easy as some of us may think it does. I wouldn't have done the art show this way or I wouldn't do the cafe this way or I wouldn't... Whatever. Whatever. Your way? Then do it your way. Just do it. And Timothy was not inexperienced. He had proven character. He was mature in his faith. And we need to to be aware of how much responsibility we give to people. See, we can't give a ton of responsibility to someone who's not ready for it yet. Timothy was someone with proven character, who knew how to take instruction, who was humble, and those are traits of a servant. Verse 22, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. See, teachers and disciples often developed an intimate relationship described in terms of father and son. See, Timothy was loyal to Paul like, like that of a healthy son and father relationship. And Timothy came to know Jesus through Paul's ministry and Timothy respected Paul for that. And he honored and he showed reverence toward Paul and he trusted Paul. And this is quite a compliment from Paul. How many people consider you a son or daughter outside of your biological or adoptive parents? They call you son and treat you that way or daughter and treat you that way. See, we need people in our life that that can mentor us and encourage us to greater things. We need people who are more experienced than we are to serve with and to learn from. And we need good examples of Christ-like people in our life. My dad is someone like that for me. He's not perfect. But, but he does some things that amaze me. So my parents have been divorced for almost 15 years. Um, but my dad still shows how he sacrificially loves my mom. And I don't want to get into the details of all their divorce and stuff. But um, just to say that my dad sacrificially loves my mom. And when my, my, my parents come over to visit uh, us with my sisters and stuff, my sister's family stays in the other bedroom and, and my parents sleep in the living room. And we have two couches there. And so we have this love seat and then we have this full out couch that's much more comfortable. My dad always takes the love seat, the smaller one. And he's just scrunched up like that. Always. And when they travel in the car with my sister, my dad figures out which side the sun is coming on and he sits on that side. So that my mom doesn't have to sit in the sun. Like, like he thinks through these things and I never understood that. Like I never really saw that until like this last visit. And then until like worrying about like his heart and all this other stuff. And then just these things that were shown to me. And when we prayed together before he went to the hospital, he, he affirmed um, the prayers for my mom more than anything else. Like he was saying, amen, hallelujah, and, and just kind of affirming those prayers. But especially when it dealt with my mom and making her feel at peace about things and, and um, that she would be okay uh, and she would know Jesus and all this stuff. And he was concerned for her welfare. It's just bizarre to me. Aren't you divorced from her like 15 years ago? How, how do you do that? See, my dad never told me verbally to love my wife, Katie. He never told me that. He never instructed me to love my wife. I love her a lot. And I think part of that can be attributed to my dad teaching me how to love my wife through showing me how he loves my mom. He never had to tell me. And we need more people who teach us through how they live more than what they say or what they preach or how they teach or how they break out the Bible and, and tell you things, we need to live those things. We need more people to show us how to love God, not just talk about it. We need more people to coach us in how to serve in our ministries through their example and not just talk about ideas or, or what-ifs or, or theories. See, and we have those people here. And we need to learn from one another. And I strongly encourage you to seek out people who can help you mature deeper in your relationship with Jesus. People who have had a longer relationship with Jesus who can kind of direct you towards God for guidance. People who commit to praying for you and speak wisdom into your life. And I have several mentors in my life, just different categories of my life that I have mentors in, whether it's a financial mentor or or being a pastor or a counselor or being a dad or being a husband. There are several men in my life that I seek counsel from, and um, they all play a role in my life. And and they are they, not that I put them in a place over God. They're not taking the place of God. They're able to help support my relationship with God through committing to prayer for me, and by directing me and asking me, Have you prayed about this? Have you sought the Lord in this first? And I have one in particular that. Um, He's just been really instrumental in my life, and he was a former professor of mine at, at my college, and, and that's the first thing he always says to me is, you prayed about it? And if I say no, then our conversation's done. Like, okay, call me back when, you're, when you prayed about it. And so that's, that's what we, we need our counsel for. That's what we need. We need people to direct us towards Jesus, commit to us in prayer. Verse 23 and 24. Therefore, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. See, letters were used as as surrogates for for one's presence. But but also um, they announced one's coming. So Paul desired to visit the Philippians in person and not just to desire to send Timothy. But once again, look at how Paul is showing that he's truly relying on the Lord. And even though he wants to visit the Philippians soon, he recognizes that it's going to happen God's way and God's timing. So let us place our life in the hands of the Lord and trust Him with our entire being. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Timothy's example. Thank You for showing what a servant's attitude is like, how their heart is to be like. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who struggle with pride, that you would uh, break us. And as you do that, God, that we as a church would come around those people to support them and help them. Lord, I ask that you would uh, direct us towards people who have walked with you longer and may understand you a bit more so that they can direct our paths a little better. Thank you. Thank you Jesus for uh, for this letter that Paul wrote in Jesus name amen